As a teenager, you were controlled and confined by what others demanded and expected of you. In your 20s, you were consumed by what others thought of you. In your 30s, you realized you were still conflicted by what you truly thought of yourself. But now, in your 40s and beyond, it's finally time to live fearlessly, fabulously, and fully you. Let's go. Hey sis, welcome to In the Middle with Myra, and I'm your host, Myra Rollins. Hey, what's up, fam? This is your homegirl, your host, your confidant, your friend, your ace spoon coon, your virtual bestie, saying good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And whenever you're listening to this, I hope it's good. (laughs) Y'all, what's up? It's Myra, and you have found me again. We're in the middle. Thank you. And as always, I appreciate you stopping in. I don't take it lightly. It makes me, um, it, I feel a responsibility on this mic every time that you tune in. So thank you, girl. But listen, as always, I'm checking on you first. How many steps have you gotten today? Mm-hmm. Have you gotten your um, crock pot out and said you were going to meal prep? Have you done that? Okay. <laughs> How many emails have you not checked? Go ahead and go through that mail that you just sitting, letting build up, go ahead and organize a little bit. There's a ceiling fan that you've been looking at that you know you need to clean. Go ahead and get that done, sis. And I hope you are doing well and staying healthy and doing all of the things that we need to do to stay on top of this life in the middle. And then I always let you guys know what's going on with me. I'm doing good. Um, just had some basic life issues, nothing major, but you know, one of them weeks where you just like, it's a lot, but you figure it out and you go through it and all is well. And then I also had a wonderful family vacation though. Um, me and my tribe, which consists of my husband and my three children spanning the ages of 21 to 11 had a wonderful time. So all in all, when it all washes out. It all balances out. But what am I talking about today? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about Kirk. Everybody talking about Kirk. So I am getting ready to drop my little piece, my little two cents on this Kirk Franklin issue. So I'm going to start out by saying, listen to me good. Listen to me good. I am not mad at Kirk. (laughs) Y'all hear me? I am not mad at Kirk. I understand that Kirk is human. And just because you sing gospel don't mean you some superhero, super Christian. I mean, I don't think that under Kirk's medium shirts (laughs) and skinny jeans that he has some kind of cape with the shirt that says SC for super Christian. And under those jeans, he have on some little tights and leotards. I don't believe that. I'm not canceling Kirk. I am still going to his concerts. I'm streaming his music and best believe that anytime I hear just the first three or four chords of Now Behold the Lamb, I'm going to be prostrate. I'm not questioning his Christianity, spirituality, or relationship with God. Kirk's still getting into heaven. His heavenly mansion will likely be in the gated community up from mine. 
probably sitting higher on a hill with more land. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. I want to be clear of that, that I am not mad at Kurt, right? <laughs> what I also want to be clear on, point number two, before I get into my point of view, point number two that I need to be clear is that yes, I have prayed for and will continue to pray for Kirk and his family. So many times people put their opinions, whatever the opinion is, um, and put so much energy in just getting into the buzz and into the conversation that they don't pray about it. So yes, I've prayed about it because I believe in the power of prayer and I will earnestly petition God on behalf of Kirk, of Kirk and his family. Um, and then the third clarification is that this conversation that I'm getting ready to have is no longer about Kirk. Y'all hear that? This conversation ain't about Kirk. What is it about then? It is about the overwhelming response that, by the Christian community about Kirk and the situation. A response that I am honestly shocked and disappointed by. And I know like if this was an episode of Kev on Stage, this would be an unpopular opinion. But I have to admit that I was shocked and disappointed by the Christians community's response. The majority of my Facebook feed and conversations that I've had and just comments by strangers has been just this sentiment. Wasn't nothing wrong with what Kirk did. That boy probably needed to be told off like that. And I said what I said and fight me. <laughs> and people have said those exact words. Wasn't nothing wrong with what Kirk did. And y'all, that's different than saying I support Kurt. That's real different because I support Kurt. So I know what y'all are already saying. Okay, so you surprised we supporting Kurt? Isn't that what the church supposed to do? Supporting your fellow brothers and sisters, right? That's what y'all saying. Y'all saying that's what's wrong with the church now. Nobody want to be part of the church because of this. We all too, too, super holy. That's what y'all saying. But hold on, pump the brakes, stop working your nexus. I see you through cyberspace. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So sis, I'm not surprised that you are supporting Kirk. What Kirk has done um, to the gospel, for the gospel community has been revolutionary, literally. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> it has opened up doors and hearts and conversations. and It has helped to lead people to the kingdom. And even more importantly than him being a gospel singer. What? Yeah, let me correct that. He ain't a gospel singer. <laughs> more importantly than him being a gospel music icon and genius. That's better. He is a fellow sister and brother in Christ, point blank, period. So if anybody think that we as super fans or more importantly, just his spiritual family are going to stop supporting him and cancel him out, you're crazy and critical. And that's not me. I'm not crazy or critical. I fully support Kirk and his family during what has to be an embarrassing, painful and just downright difficult time. But church, here we go. There is a difference between support that helps someone raise their behavior to God's standard versus support that allows someone to change, alter, or lower the standard of God's expected behavior. I'm going to say that again. There is a difference between giving someone support 
that helps them, encourages them, equips them to raise their behavior to God's standard versus support that allows someone to change, alter, or lower the standard of God's expected behavior. And that difference in those two is cataclysmic and cross size, C-R-O-S-S size. The gap between those two types of support is the size of the cross. Y'all in Matthew 18, 15, it says, if your brother or sister sins, go privately, just the two of you. Okay. So go to them and what you want to do when you go to them, excuse me, y'all, I'm having some problems with my mic. Give me a second. Y'all so patient. Okay. Um, just the two of you and point out their faults. And if the other person listens and confesses, then you have won them over. And some of y'all are saying, well, Kirk did confess. Yes, that's why I'm not mad at Kirk. I'm mad at y'all. Even Kirk acknowledges that what he did was not, quote unquote, right, okay, appropriate. But some of y'all are saying, wasn't nothing wrong with what he did. Never in that passage in Matthew 18, 15, does it say, go to your brother when you see them in sin and publicly tell them, you good, fam. You ain't do nothing wrong. Like, that ain't Bible, y'all. And Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. So one friend sharpens another friend. So what that passage is saying is that if your brother or sister is dull in one area, then you say, hey, bro. I see that you are weak in this area. How can I best help you? How can I pray for you? How can I come alongside of you and help you? Um, let me tell you what has worked for me. How can I hold you accountable? Like those are the phrases we need to be saying. That passage, when it says iron sharpens iron, does not say wood supports wood. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that if you are rubbing on wood hard enough and fast enough, then at some point a fire is going to start and ensue. So yesterday, when the church overwhelmingly stepped beyond support and into lowering the standard, it was in essence not iron sharpening iron, but just a gathering of wood. Everybody saying, you good, rubbing up against the other person. I do it too, rubbing up against Kirk. You know, if he come at you that way again, Kirk, do it again. And so what's going to happen is that because we are supporting and saying that that behavior is okay, then at some point, a fire is going to start. And that fire will eventually be the destruction of a moral standard. And yes, I said it, moral standard. And I know y'all don't like those terms and that's not popular, but whether you like it or not, standards exist. Baseline, rules, God's expectations, his commandments, his expectations of us seeking his heart. Y'all, these things exist. And calling our brothers and sisters and ourselves to meet that standard is what we should be doing. And here we go. It doesn't mean that I'm judging. Like y'all need to stop with that. Y'all use that word too much and too wrong. Let me give you an example. Like I told you earlier in the podcast for spring break, um, we took a trip just to the Waco and Austin area. Had a good time. Um, saw Chip and Joanna. I'm lying. <laughs> we went to Magnolia, but they weren't there. Anyway, so my husband did most of the driving. No, we, we live in Dallas, so the trip wasn't too long. And so there were several times that he was speeding. And never did I say to him, I see you going 85 and the speed limit is 70. 
But you know what? I know you tired and you really want to get there. So keep speeding. Everybody speeds sometimes. You do you. Whatever works for you, boo-boo. You know, sometimes I speed too. I didn't say that. But neither did I say, I can't believe you're speeding. I hope you get a ticket. I hope you get your license taken away. You need to be in jail because that would be judging. So I didn't condone, but I also didn't judge. So where's the middle? The middle looks like this. Hey, babe, the posted speed limit is 70 and I see you're going 85. Just, you know, letting you know. And do you want me to drive? You might be a little bit tired. So what I did was offer him some support, right? Support. Then I also said, hey, why don't you um, set the cruise control? Maybe that'll keep you, you know, at or around the speed limit. Because what I don't want you to do is to put yourself in a situation that you might find yourself having a consequence for that behavior. So not only did I support, but I gave some suggestions on how he could meet the standard. Y'all see the difference? Just because we tell Kurt, yeah, bro, what you did was not what God would have expected or wanted of you. That does not mean I'm judging him. There is a huge difference. Identifying a sin, a sin is not judging. So y'all can like stop with all of that. And maybe that's it. Some of you maybe don't see what Kirk did as sin. Okay, then let's break that down. All right. So um, I have to give y'all scriptures. If I'm talking about sin, then I got to go to the Bible. But I know if I go to the Bible, y'all going to start calling me super holy and a Bible thumper. So what I want to do to get you ready to receive all this scripture, I'm going to give you to say why this was not the heart of God, what Kirk did. Because y'all know that's what sin is. Anytime we act against the heart of God, right? So let that definition broaden your scope of the word sin. Okay, so I need to give y'all some Bible verses that I know that you cling to, that I know that you love. So let me get these up front and in your spirit first. Here we go. Sis, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Do you hear me? That there is nothing outside of the will of God that if he has for you, that you can't accomplish. Amen. Here's another one. Your latter glory will be greater than your former glory. That God is going to do some things in your life now that will make everything in your past seem purposeful and amazing. Your latter glory, sis, will be greater than your former. Here's another one. That Jesus has gone ahead of you to prepare a mansion for you. Amen. That God fashioned you, sis, that he just didn't make you. He fashioned you. Do you like that verse? How about this verse? That before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. How does that verse sit with you in your soul? Do you want that to be a part of your life? How about this verse? That God has a purpose, a future, and a hope, and he will prosper you. How does that verse sit with you? And that all things, sis, work together for the good of those that love the Lord. How do those verses sit with you? Do you cling to them? Do you love them? Do you believe them? So sis, if you believe those verses, then you also have to believe the verses that I'm going to give you now as it pertains to this situation with Kirk and any other situations. And if you call me super holy and a Bible thumper, then remember you weren't calling me that a minute ago when I was shouting you talking about you can do all things. So here we go. This is why I say what Kirk did was against the heart of God, which makes it sin. Not judging, 
just clarifying the standard. Y'all, there's a difference. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's Proverbs 15.1. Ephesians 4.15 says truth and love and growing in every respect. Growth. How about this one? Ephesians 4.31 says get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Jesus said in Matthew 18.22 that we are to forgive our brother who has sinned against us 70 times 7. How about this one? Ephesians 4.21, be angry yet do not sin. Hebrews 4.15, y'all says that we do not have a high priest that is unable to empathize with our weakness, weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we were yet without sin. All right. So we cannot overlook the concept that those verses apply. And y'all, the Bible uses metaphors to describe what Christians should be on this earth. One of those metaphors is light, showing the way. Y'all, we are supposed to show people the way to Christ, evangelism, yes. But here's where we get tripped up. We are also supposed to show people not just to Christ, but the ways of Christ. We are put here to evangelize, but also to be examples of sanctification. Y'all, we are the light. We don't just point people to Christ's evangelism, but we show people the ways of Christ through our own behavior. The Bible also uses the metaphor of aliens. So I want you to think like alien versus predator, men in black, E.T. You got a picture in your head right now? Not only is the concept of aliens that we are foreign. This isn't our land. We're passing through. But it also means that we should look drastically different than the world. Y'all, we are supposed to look different, respond different, talk different, fight different. Christians respond differently, y'all. When someone cuts you off in traffic, instead of raising the middle finger, (laughs) we're going to lift up a whole holy hand and pray for safe travel to work. And I know it sounds crazy, maybe even alien-like, right? We respond differently when that cashier gets nasty with us at the store. When we work with those messy, shysty co-workers, we respond differently because we are aliens. When your student's mom sends you a nasty email, we respond differently. When we are in disagreement with family, we respond differently because we are aliens. And listen, we don't do it flawlessly. It is our attempt to respond differently. And when we don't, here we go. We recognize that we fail short of the standard. We don't change the standard. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not beating up on Kirk for not meeting the standard, but I'm beating up on y'all for saying it's okay to lower the standard. If we as Christians aren't expected to behave differently, then what hope does the world have? Y'all, I'm, like, this might be a little shady, but I'm going to stop calling some of y'all Christians. I'm going to start calling y'all unlessers <laughs> because y'all say, what would Jesus do? I'm going to do what Jesus would do. I'm going to act like Christ unless. So like, what's your blank? Unless what? Like, what is it? Who is it? What offense has to happen for you to be like, "Mm, it was okay for me to act against the heart of God because this offense that was um, given to me, that was put on me, was big enough 
for it to warrant me acting not of Christ. Y'all, that ain't Bible. We are not unlessers. We are Christians. And I think about Christians as like in an Olympic gymnastic team, right? These athletes are selected because of their, here we go, consistent, not flawless, but consistent, excellent performance. Y'all, that's us. We should be consistent, not perfect, but consistent in our performance. And y'all know the reason that people are selected for the Olympics? Because they train their behinds off. I'm talking about hours upon hours, like putting in full work days at the, at the gym. Y'all, y'all know we train too, right? Some of us have been, quote unquote, in the church for 20 30, 40 years, we go into Bible studies, we read in books, listening to podcasts, going to retreats. Y'all do know that all of that is training, right? Training that should ultimately set us apart from the world. Like right now, I am not able to do a somersault, flat back, quarter twist flip. Why? And some of y'all said, because you're 15 pounds overweight, you got a bad right knee and you're 41 years old. That, that, that's true. But that is the answer I was looking for. <laughs> Shady. I can't do that flip because I don't train for that. But Gabby Douglas can do all of that and more because she trains for the hard things. And like the Olympic Games, the world is watching to see how the best of the best will perform. And sis, when it gets hard, stick the dog on landing. When someone comes at you wrong, respond well because you train for it. When someone curses you, stick the landing and act differently. Now, you might not do it every time, but that is still the expectation. And that's why Kirk apologized. And not because he owed us anything. He apologized because y'all saying he didn't owe us nothing. I wish he hadn't done that. Well, I'm glad he did. He apologized because he knows that people are watching him for an example of Christ-like behavior. He understands that he indeed has a responsibility, not because he's a gospel artist, but because he's a Christian and he needs to keep his behavior above reproach. That's Bible, y'all. He needs to not create a stumbling block for his brothers and sisters. That's scripture. To keep his behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Y'all, that's in the text. He, Kirk understands that he is called to be salt and light. Kirk understands that we are supposed to market Christ and show that he is a good product. We are walking infomercials. This is the only reason God has not raptured us up out here. So the notion that I don't owe nobody nothing for how I act and how I talk. It ain't they business. Don't worry about how I live my life. Y'all, that is not Bible. And this is where I feel I need to make a disclaimer. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I fall short daily. I don't really cuss, cuss, but every now and then I cuss. I'm not always out here being salt and light and alien-like. But what I'm not, I recognize and acknowledge that I'm not. And I call sin what it is and I address it. I don't be like, I'm good, fam. Nothing wrong with what I did and I'll do it again. It, it hurts my heart 
that we are actually being proud and boastful of things that we should have some some shame in. And then, and let me not say shame, that, that's not the best word, some conviction over. So, and then there's another overused word <laughs> that is not a word, but a saying that is getting on my nerves. Y'all are saying, God ain't done with nobody yet. God ain't done with me yet. Yeah, that's true. Very true. We should all be growing in spiritual maturity and becoming sanctified day by day, which means that we should be honestly becoming more and more like Christ. But saying God is not done with me yet should never be used as an excuse to continue in the behavior. Should it be used when someone is trying to unjustly and unfairly persecute and criticize you? Yes. Look, sis, I'm not perfect. God has not done me yet, but I am still working toward perfection. That is fine to use that statement then. But to use that statement to say that this excuses and justifies my behavior, y'all, that is an inaccurate way to use that particular saying. So stop. (laughs) And y'all... Something more that has blown my mind and honestly has saddened me that we have this notion that it is okay to talk to our children. And yes, I know Kirk's son was 33, but again, I'm not talking about Kirk. I'm talking about y'all responses to Kirk. And overwhelmingly, the responses were, I talked to my kid like that yesterday. My kid know that if if he ever, like that hurt my heart. So let me put out more disclaimers. Yes, I have raised a teenager and he has pushed buttons that I had no idea I had. And if there was a camera in my house during the peak of his teenage insanity, both I and my husband would likely have had to issue some public apologies. So let me be clear. I ain't without fault, but because I know that we were not perfect in our responses to his foolishness, his disrespect, his know-it-allish, his silly mistakes, his fly by the mouth. Ooh, hold on. <laughs> I'm getting myself worked back up. <laughs> I'm reliving that stage of my son, but y'all, he's 21 now. He's doing so much better. I love him. Anyway, but my responses to all of that bad behavior wasn't perfect. But my point is that saying that even during that time, I tried And I was most of the time successful with holding myself to that Christian standard, even with my own child. And if I didn't, and if I didn't, I apologize to God and my son. Y'all listen, this is where I want you to tune in. And you have to like, think about this in your own private time. Y'all, we can discipline without degrading. We can show them who's the boss without being a bully. We can build physical boundaries without tearing them down emotionally. We can correct them without always having to check them. We can demand deference from them without being demeaning to them. And yes, this I know that you are for you were uh, in labor for 43 hours and you made sacrifices for him and you wiped his snotty nose and his nasty butt and you sat through boring recitals and you missed out on job opportunities and you left work early, stayed there late, you sat in traffic for him, you got an extra job, you lost a job, you did all of that. But all of that does not give you the right to be 
disrespectful to him because you feel that you can or that he quote unquote deserves it. And here is where I know I'm going to get too spiritual for some of y'all and y'all going to be hating on me. But those kids, your kids are not yours. They have been loaned, gifted, entrusted to you by God. So you have to handle them as God would handle them. Example, what if I let you borrow my car? I tell you that you'll be responsible for the maintenance, the oil change, getting new tires, keeping insurance on it and all of that. Your responsibility, but it's my car. I'm going to let you use it. Just because you are doing the work of the upkeep does not give you the right to handle my car in a manner differently than how I would handle it. So the same thing with your loaned child, just because you are doing the work of raising them does not give you the right to handle them in a manner other than how God would want. And here is another question that I thought about. Would our responses to Kirk have been different if he was recorded talking to his wife like that? And you know what? I'm not even going to ask a question. Let me rephrase that. Our responses would have been different if he was talking to his wife like that. Why? Because you don't speak to women like that, but your children, they're free game. You can speak to them any way you please. Y'all, that's lies. Lies. (laughs) So in closing, I love me some Kurt. I respect Kurt. I ain't mad at Kurt. He was unfortunately publicly exposed in a moment of weakness and sin that, yes, appeared to be calculated and provoked. So we all agree. My only issue is not with Kirk, but with our response as Christians to Kirk, that in an effort to support him, it turned into blatant lowering of standards. Y'all. We are called to be aliens. And so my only question to you is where in your life do you need to start working on looking cataclysmically different than the world and not lowering your standard? I love y'all. Don't come for me. I ain't said I'm perfect. Have a good day. Hey, sis, thanks again for meeting me in the middle where together you and I are figuring out and feeling 40 because we understand that getting older with style and grace ain't easy, but somebody got to do it. Why not us? Why not you? And why not now? And as always, choose to make it a great day.